Nerd News Now. Hey, hey welcome to Nerd News Now for September 13th, 2021. It's all of us again. I got Miss Jen, I got Kyle, I got Brainy. Um, hopefully you all have had a good week and are having a good week. We'll start with you, Miss Jen. What have you been up to? And sweat it out until I just got through with the show I did because I had really high-end books. I'm always nervous about high-end books, but it was a good show. We had a fun time. <clears throat> Are you uh, hurricane prepping or tropical storm prepping? It looks like we're going to get rain for like the next three days at least. Probably going to go fill up my truck with gas so I don't have to worry about that in case there's like power loss at the pump or something because I'm kind of close to empty, but I don't know. Wait. The store is in pretty, pretty good spot. I don't have to worry about flooding. Yeah, it looks like we're getting the eye, so hopefully we'll be all right. But probably a lot of rain. Uh, Kyle, what about you? What's been going on? I'm trying to think. <laughs> uh, getting ready for convention, uh, which would be super fun. Mm-hmm. Um. I went yesterday and bought a suit designed by Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Because they have them on super clearance at pennies. And if I only wear it once, I won't feel sad. <laughs> Cause like the thing about me and formal wear, like is I'll wear it and then I won't have that excuse to wear anything formal for a long time and I will gain weight and then it will no longer fit. Oh, no. So uh, I've got all kinds of clothes I've, worn once but this is a blue velour looking suit coat with black lapels and navy pants so i kind of look like a pimp (laughs) but also i'm like super pale you are you're a comic pimp well it's one of those things is that i look like i'm real bad at it (laughs) (laughs) oh no um but then I also uh, I went to I went to the Destination XL and bought a suit that changes colors depending on the light because that feels more like me to have a suit that's like what color is that suit I don't know ask the internet if the if the if the if the dress is blue and white or black and gold <laughs> uh, no that was my entire weekend uh, didn't go see Shang Chi because. I went and bought a suit, so I, you know, yeah, uh, didn't have time. Um, so was the suit cheaper than the ticket of the movie? No, but the suit is more necess more of a necessity. I I can lend you one of the fifteen brand new suits I'm hanging in my closet if you like. Uh, I don't know, Brainy. I'm a sixty long in a suit. Oh boy. Yeah, I'm. I I'm. Just <laughs> It's really funny. At the DXL, when I buy pants, I'm at one end of the rack. Like, the smallest size they have is my size. And then when I buy suit coats, it's like the biggest size they have is my size. Super fun. That's hilarious. Yep. No, that was my whole weekend. Um, Brainy, what about you? Did you buy any suits? Uh, not this weekend. <laughs> This weekend, I spent $150 on a very, very used tire. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, my daughter had a birthday party to go to about, you know, 
an hour away from where we are. So, you know, I, I take her, my wife goes with her, my, my son, my mother and I, we just had to go, you know, shopping, but all the stores were closed at that time, seven o'clock at night, go figure. Uh, so we go to dinner, after dinner, you know, we're driving out of the parking lot, all of a sudden the, the car says, hey, you're, check your air. I'm like, eh, probably low, I'll fill it up when I get home. Uh, we decided to go to Walgreens and get out of the car and look at the tire, the back tire. It's like, oh, that looks really low. Go to the gas station, fill it up. Okay, it's fine. Drive out of the gas station, go to the location. Bing, tire low. I'm like, crud. Call AAA. He comes in. He goes, oh, where's your spare? I'm like, underneath the car. And I can tell he was. He just didn't want to change it because, you know, it's complicated getting him out of the Escalade. So he goes, hey, I know this guy that's open right now. Uh, they'll, you know, give you, um, uh, they'll patch it up for you. And by the time I get to that place, it, my air is at like four points. Uh, you know, the tire takes about what, 35, 40 PSI. It's at four PSI. And I can hear the wheel chugging on the, so, you know, um, the guy's like, okay, he had the tow truck. So he's like, dang it. Now we got to, and we were right there. We were right there at the tire shop, but couldn't make it to the end. And so he loads us up on the tow truck. We're up on top of a tow truck driving, um, you know, about, I'd say about a hundred yards, 200 yards. And uh, we get there, the guy looks, he goes, well, let me see what I got. Basically, long story short, he goes, hey, it's late at night. Uh, it's gonna be a hundred dollars for the tire, plus whatever you wanna give me. And unfortunately, the only thing I had left was a $50 bill and I couldn't ask him for change, so. Ended up paying $150 for a used tire, which I'm going to have to toss out probably in a month or so to get another tire. <laughs> when you're ready, let me know. I got a tire guy. Yeah, this guy had a tire guy, too. He cost me well, no, it's so <laughs> weird background in my family is that my dad, when he was in high school with his buddies, founded a tire shop. Like, that was what they did for the, with their graduation money. They all went in and basically started a tire shop okay um and they're still one of the biggest shops around they do all the semi tires like if you're on the turnpike in the state of ohio and your semi tire blows they're who you call nice uh and dad left you know to go to college and like deal with me i think he realized he needed to make more money if his son was going to be my size <laughs> otherwise i'd eat him out of house and home but uh my uncle bob still runs the shop and I get, I mean, I've got hookups at every major tire manufacturer at this point. It's pretty great. Nice. Uh, I will be calling you because I got to manufacturer's coupons, man. <laughs> and that was just Friday night, you know. And I was going to ask if you had to trade like a series of pep comics for tires. Ooh, was tempted. Was tempted. I should have asked him, hey, do you want some comic books? Yeah. I had some sitting in the back of my car. You never know. But, you know, I, just to finish that story, pep number one is missing four pages. That's uh, pretty good, though, right? I mean, that, it's still really good if that's the uh, yeah, I mean, original pep number it one. It sucks. It hurts the value a lot, but. Right. But uh, but using your favorite key collector comics app, uh, pep number one looks to be worth a significant amount of money. Right. Yeah, but key collector only cares if it's complete. Yeah, I know. But still, I mean, whatever the what you gave for that set is like uh Yeah, I mean, still, I'm still, it's still right. wild. Yeah. I'm still all right. Yeah. But 
no, it's Keith but Hammett hey, is it, it, the bane of my existence right now. Oh, so it's one of those types of conversations. Because I was like, when I saw, so just to let everyone in on this insider, not joke, but whatever conversation. Uh, <laughs> Rainy messaged that part of the show he wanted to talk about Key Collector Comics or that Kyle did. I got super excited because this is something I've recently discovered in the last six weeks. And maybe it's just better from a collector's perspective than a dealer's perspective or whatever. But we'll get there uh, in a little bit. Um who has seen Shang-Chi? Just Miss Jen? Yeah, unfortunately, I have. They, they won't let me pay them $30 to watch it on my couch, so I can't watch it yet. That's why and I, I think, And I think it comes to Disney Plus in like five weeks. I'm not sure if that's for extra pay or just that's when they're going to start churning their movies to the app. But, uh, I think that's it. Just don't get Scarlett Johansson again. Um, I maybe, but I mean, like, do you think in six weeks, I mean, six weeks would be a super quick turnaround time if they're not expecting any extra money from subscribers. So, well, I think the whole thing is that they're saying it'll be theater exclusive for 45 days. Then they'll put it on there and it'll still be 30 bucks. Oh, okay. Possibly. Or they, they might make it available. Or to maybe it's 15 or something like that yeah. be this new model. Well, uh, DirecTV did that a long time ago, right? Where it was um, after 30 days or 45 days, they'd come to DirecTV, you paid $20 or whatever. I forgot what it was. And then everybody else adopted it. Um, so that might be the same model they're going to. You know? right, that was the early VOD model. Yeah. You know, you could rent a movie for 24 hours for $2.99 through your cable box, or you could rent it for 10 days for... Twenty dollars, whatever it was. Yep. I don't see the uh, situation with the world changing enough for me to be comfortable sitting in the movie theater for two and a half hours in a month. So I'd rather just rent it. But that's me. You just got to find a nearly defunct movie theater. Is your problem? Yeah, an empty one, right? I mean, right. That, or one that's still like renting out the whole theater for like the price of two tickets or something like that. But um. It did really well. It had a 52% drop-off, which a lot of people will go, whoa, that's really bad. But that's actually what Marvel movies dropped off uh, pre-pandemic. So uh, it made another $35.8 It's the, the first North American film to pass $100 million this year. Uh, and uh, it's just doing really well. The box office after that overall was pretty weak, but Free Guy was second place again. Um, I think that's notable because that's another movie that is in theater only, right? You can't rent that. It didn't go to HBO Max yet, all that stuff. Uh, Malignant did premiere on HBO Max to very mixed reviews, uh, especially for a horror film uh, directed by James Wan, who did Aquaman, amongst uh, a number of successful horror films before that. It only grossed $5.4 so Hollywood's probably going to try to keep movies in the theaters and off of apps uh given the success and of the first two and the unsuccess of malignant so well uh, anyone seen it's terrible oh you've like, seen it you already I watched saw it malignant. the unsuccess of malignant is due to the fact that it is as bad as i talk about marvel movies yeah malignant is another thing entirely malignant is a I want them to give me the fee for my 
HBO subscription back. They need to send me severance pay, hazard pay, buy me (laughs) dinner after. That movie was so bad. Like, I kept waiting for the Riff Tracks guys to come and be like, psych! We were just waiting for you to get 20 minutes into the movie before we started making fun of it. I heard that the music choices were horrible, even. It, there was nothing about this movie that was redeeming. Oh, no. Yeah, Literally Ky- nothing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Kyle will not be rushing to Mondo to uh, pick up the soundtrack for this one. So, like, here, here's the thing. It's malignant, right? Which is the good kind of cancer. This is the bad kind of cancer. Oh. This movie is bad. <laughs> it, there's... Well, I appreciate you watching it for us because it's a horror movie. I wasn't going to watch it. Miss Jen's not going to watch it. I don't know how Brandy feels about horror, but. Uh... Uh, they, they've stopped, they stopped scaring me about, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And it's just like you see the same cycle of everything. It's, it's, it's the same script basically every single time. Uh, it, it just, you know, it's getting boring. There hasn't been good horror. I mean, there have been exceptions, but there hasn't been good horror in a while. Uh, uh, I do want to point out uh, the the Mark acting like Max Hedrum is is awesome. Am I am I acting like Max Hedrum? Is there something going on with the? Uh, is, <laughs> am I doing that, or is there something wrong with the feed? It's the feed, buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I was I was unaware of that. So, but it, totally, it's awesome. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know what's doing that, but. Uh, Anyway, um, Kyle seems like he was attacked by the movie, and some people are into that type of horror movie. So I don't know. Maybe check it out. No, like the th- I I can say this beyond the shadow of a doubt with it when it comes to *Malignant*. It should give back the money the studio gave it to be made, and it should say *Candyman* five times in a mirror. For how bad it was! Wow, <laughs> and Candyman was that bad. Wow, <laughs> like Candyman was not good, but Candyman deserves an Oscar compared to Malignant. Okay. <laughs> what? This tirade is the best. I know, right? But you have to wonder how a movie studio that big can release something that Kyle is describing as, you know, worse and worse. I I can see why they thought it was a good idea. But, like, people thought, like, I don't know, Soylent Green was a good idea. Or the McRib. Or, you know, so many other things. Whoa, whoa, hold on. I I think your anger is getting the best of you now. Don't go attacking the McRib because (laughs) you were mad about a movie. That's Just fair. Hold, hold I, on. I apologize Calm down. to the McRib. Take a few deep breaths. <laughs> Just... Okay. This movie is the Crystal Pepsi of movies. Um, well, here's the thing about Crystal Pepsi. It was just whatever. It tastes like Pepsi. Like, if you were really going to attack a movie and just really go full throttle, you would go, this movie was the new Coke of movies. And then I would go, whoa! But Crystal Pepsi is non-threatening. Yeah, it, it was tolerable. So if you think this was the new Coke of movies, just go ahead and state that right now. Just say malignant. No, I'm going to stick new with Coke my. It was the Crystal Pepsi of movies because new Coke was just a bad idea. 
Okay. Crystal Pepsi's a movie where I could see Crystal Pepsi was an idea where I could see where they would think it's a good idea. And I could see why they would think Malignant might be a good movie. But they were wrong. So they were four plus four equals 44 wrong. Is it one where it could have been better if there's a better director or better script writing, better actor? What they had done everything different (laughs) and kept the actors, it would have been a it could have been a good movie. Okay, if they had, I'll be honest, if they had made appropriate soundtrack decisions, it could have been a D movie. Now I want to listen. At this point, it's a it's a U D N F in the barbecue world. D A L dead ass last did not qualify. Un- incomplete, unsatisfactory. Like see you again next year as you repeat the third grade. Kind of bad. Again, I'm going to say that sounds like new Coke. Rather than Crystal Pepsi. If you want to call it Tab, that's fine too. But Crystal Pepsi, it tasted like Pepsi. It tasted fine. So if the movie like if tab. the movie tasted fine, but it, it seems like it's leaving a bad aftertaste in your mouth like Tab Cola. You know what? It's the Zima of movies. I like Tab. A fair. A, a Zima, Zima is a, a, a more fair assessment. Yes. Zima, I drink a choice back in college, man. <laughs> AMC DeLorean of movies. And, I feel and, like- in college, like, you could drink dirt water and be happy with it, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying. It was... It was Back in the days. I, and I watched it with a horror writer. And we both went, like, you guys want to watch that video of Steve from Blue's Clues again? Because that's going to be more entertaining and still scarier than this. Was it scary? Was the blue? I, I never watched Blue's Clues, but I watched no. that video because it was trending and it seemed like from the heart. So, was that? Did anyone find that in poor taste out there? I thought most people loved it. No, it was great. Like everybody. The joke was is that that is scarier than Malignant, <laughs> and that was like this emotional like, oh, I feel good about the world moment, and it had more jump scares than Malignant. Speaking of which, yeah, I think Nickelodeon did a great job doing that short. I, I think that was a perfect thing for them to do. Well, and he, did you see, he was on, he was on uh, uh, Colbert, and he's been doing the rounds. Is he? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I think that's a great publicity. They, they, that, yeah. that, that's how it should be done, at least. Um, well. They, so my sister, I, I I would say my sister's age group was the first age group to really have Blue's Clues. I was a little old for Blue's Clues when it happened. And, you know, that's the my age group and, uh, you know, a few years younger like my sister. They're the ones who are starting to have kids. And all of a sudden there's this Blue's Clues nostalgia trip that's happening that now my one-year-old nephew has Blue's Clues DVDs. Wow. You, it worked perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, are we also, talking about Blue's Clues or Malignant? What worked perfectly? I couldn't figure Blue's it out. Blue's Clues. <laughs> you know, and you know what's funny? 
Blue's Clues had the Blue's Clues video had some scary stuff in it, like student loans. Yeah, yeah. that's scary. <laughs> you want to talk like, about terrifying? Talk about trying to pay off student loans for the rest of your life. Yep. Or, or like looking back on a, a rash decision you made 18 years ago and realizing there's nothing you can do about it but apologize. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's what I think that. I mean, it really did that video embodied like not i mean a mul- multitudes of gener all generations can relate to what happened to him uh he was probably one of the most recognizable people in the world <laughs> at the time walked away from it and then realized uh i may have left a whole bunch of people high and dry back then sorry about that <laughs> But yeah, so, so can I rant um, about key collector now? I mean, <laughs> second ago, uh, I, you know, I we we have other stuff to go through. But if you're if you're feeling ranty, I say go for it, dude. Well, no, we'll just say this: key collector is the malignant of apps. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Can we just here we go. All right, we can move on to the other things. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, it was just too easy. That's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was a trailer that came out last week that everyone was excited about, but one person uh, I had read a review from said, it reminded me of the trailer for Gremlins 2, and then I was way more excited about it, but it turned out that trailer they were speaking about was for Matrix 4. I watched Matrix 4 trailer. I thought it was awesome. It does remind me a little bit of Gremlins 2, but I think that person was the malignant of film trailer reviewers, so... I want to know, what did you guys think of Matrix uh, 4 trailer? Miss Jen, what did you think? Or I know and you avoid trailers, so if you avoided it, that's fine also. Oh, no, I totally watched it. But okay. Did you guys play around with the, the pre-trailer thing that they launched like the day or two before where you could choose the red pill or the blue pill? I did not, no. So if there you, were two different trailers? Yeah, so if you... If you it depends upon the exact moment of each day that you click that thing. It would give you a, the voiceover was mostly the same, except for that it told you what t- you believe that the time is, and it would say the time you were watching the trailer. Like, no lie, it would say the exact time. And then the images would be different every time. So depending upon when, what pill you touched and what time of the day, you really did get a different experience. I thought that was brilliant marketing. Do you guys remember when The Dark Knight came out? Uh, the viral marketing that was around that movie? I only remember that San Diego Comic-Con had, like, a giant scavenger hunt around that. That was, like, they, they put this, like, these weird uh, images, like, all around and yeah. stickers. So you had to find those. Yeah. All around the city. It was crazy cool. That was part of it, but they did stuff in Chicago. They did stuff all over the place like that. But they had this weird kind of viral marketing through the internet and message boards. And, like, it really did become this kind of underground marketing thing through the fans. And the company who did that is actually the company who did the marketing for the new Matrix. So everything they're going to do is going to subvert norms and stereo you know the stuff you expect but then they're gonna do stuff like that that you go who would why would you take the time to program that right what does that gain you but 
the idea is is that there were people who watched that video 30, 40, 50 times at all kinds of different times a day to figure out what the patterns were and to figure out what the differences were. And those people are online on Reddit and Twitter and all these different places talking about it. And it's generating more hype than the trailer could ever have generated. Yeah. So I didn't watch the trailer necessarily, but I did pick several pills, which is just something I would have said during college anyway. <laughs> While watching Blue's Clues, right? Yeah. No, SpongeBob. But I, I, I did like the trailer. I didn't know where they might go with the film when they went to a fourth, when it ended the way that it did. And number three, which I actually, I, I liked two and three. There are a lot of people out there that hate those two movies, but I think they're awesome. So hate me, I guess. Two but, was uh, the first rated R movie I ever saw in a theater. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's cool. But I, I like that it just like it, it starts with Neo, who is the chosen one. And we show we, we we watched him give his life over to the machines at the end of three. Um, we we see him not know what's going on. It's like he's got complete amnesia. I, I think that, that was the only way they could have restarted the franchise anyway. They had to start him without having any knowledge. So I think that that's a that's a good script plot. <clears throat> it's the only way to do it. That's the only way they can bring back some of the old characters and whatnot. Um, out of that, they start a whole new franchise where they have new characters, no, a, a new type of Neo or whatnot. But this is a great way to bring back the old characters. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't wild about them recasting Lawrence Fishburne. I thought he wasn't. No, he well, he's not Morpheus anymore. Ah, okay. Um, but... With what I understand, like I said, I didn't see the trailer. With what I understand happens in the trailer and that kind of, okay, we're not exactly sure what's happening. I like the idea that anybody could be Morpheus. It's like, I am Spartacus. Well, they already um, kind of presented that idea when it came to the Oracle, right? Right. Right. And so I hated the Colonel Sanders ending. But I thought it was I was incredibly satisfied by it. So the end of three, you know, a lot of people on the internet call it the Colonel Sanders ending. Where <laughs> it's Neo versus Colonel Sanders. Um, but Damn, I was incredible. Watch three? Because mm -hmm. I, I skipped I'm right for... to the Animatrix. Well, <laughs> Animatrix. But no, I, I was satisfied by it. So to undo that in any way, I think will also be satisfying. And to go back and kind of revisit this world that for a whole generation of people gave them permission to be nonconformists. Sure. And, you know, contrarians and, you know, a generation of cyberpunk kids happened because of it. I, I love it. You know, I mean, I, my best friend, I'll never forget the day I met who the kid who would go on to be my best friend. He was wearing a long black trench coat and the glasses without the temples like he he was dressed like a character from the matrix like and come to find out that he was dressed like that because he had to be not because he wanted to be but like i thought that's the coolest person i've ever seen 
I'm going to be friends with that person. And that was because of the Matrix. And so, like, this film can do no wrong, but if it messes up, like, if it messes up the, the, the first three movies, you know, it makes them less than, I will be in here comparing it to Malignant. <laughs> Well, I mean, for a lot of people, because of because they don't like two or three, there's not a lot that they can do to mess it up more for them, right? Right, right, absolutely, and 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 that's fair. Like I said, it's it would they would have to literally reference the second and third movies and be like, oh, that was just a dream, <laughs> you know? There's a cancer kid in a hospital with a snow globe, <laughs> and that's what it came like. They would have to do something like that to to get me to that point, but. There is nothing about this movie that doesn't have me absolutely amped up, and I don't have to see a trailer, or read a sp- read an article, or any of that stuff to know I'm going to be opening night with bells on, dressed in black, sitting in front with, of your TV, watching it on HBO Max with the old slide phone. No, I'll go to the theater. <laughs> so, what do you, do you guys? Said, um, we're looking at an Inception situation. Where he thought that he was out of the Matrix, or everyone thought they were out of the Matrix, but they were not out of the Matrix. I would love that. Because, I, I mean, that would set up, you know, Fast and the Furial level sequels. Like, now we're 32 movies in, and we're still not sure what's happening. Mm-hmm. I would love that. It would be like the X-Files, where they were in the forest with the, the spores, and they kept right. flying ending the episode and then you they still weren't out of the episode they were still buried in the forest yeah well, how, how long can we play that off though how many movies can they do with that well but it's a million right so you're okay we're not out of the matrix we think we're out of the matrix but we're not out of the matrix okay so that's where this movie ends now you do three or four more movies to get back to a place where we're out of the matrix and now you're in a situation where you can move on from Keanu and basically start telling the story from like an agent Smith perspective Mm -hmm. for another three or four movies well they could have that regardless you know they could have based them in between one and two or two or three or whatever sure Um, so could they could still do that actually there's there's the the franchise has a lot of legs. So that's yeah, that. no, I, that's what I said. Is like that's what I'm saying. Is there's a lot of there's a lot of upside here. So go with me on this trip. The machines think that they've got the matrix running, but really the humans have them in a matrix. It's a little far fetched. I mean, I've seen dot matrix printers. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> Mark, you don't know what to do with me being excited about a movie, do you? See, <laughs> I, I, I really, I really don't like. Uh, especially after that malignant rant, I thought I was maybe possibly opening up a can of worms talking Matrix, and I also didn't know your affinity for the Matrix series. I will ask you this: um, What did you think about the Animatrix? I tried not to watch it too much. <laughs> Oh really? I see. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was fantastic, oh, and it's opening no, it up was. all these ideas. Like but it made me sad. Oh, um, because there wasn't more. Like, I, yeah. And one of the, the one thing about the Animatrix that always made me nuts is that they would always show it on TNT, 
after they showed like they'd show all three Matrix trilogy movies and then they'd show the Animatrix like it was a commercial at the end. And I'm like, oh, I hate you. Oh, Ted Turner, I hope you know. But um, I oh, I have it on DVD like Me too. I, I love it, but I try not I try not to watch it too much like. I can sit down if I'm having a bad week or whatever. I can sit down and watch the first three movies, no problem. And it kind of mellows me out. If I watch that, then I just sink further into a depression. The other, the other thing I have to, I have to qualify is that the person I was referencing, my friend Jeff, passed away when we were sophomores in high school. And so the whole thing has this sort of other level for me. So the Animatrix just kind of adds to that when it's like oh now it's really over yeah but then there's the matrix four so i can watch the first three the animatrix and the matrix four and now i've got this whole other like thing so okay so has anyone else here besides me uh obsessively watched the mtv music awards uh opening bit with justin timberlake and sean forgot his name that's totally animatrix or a, a matrix Spoof? With Will Ferrell playing Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I remember seeing it when it happened, but I haven't watched it. I, since. I don't remember that. I think that was uh, Sean William Scott from yes. Dude, Where's My Car and American Pie and yes, The Goon and all that. Yeah. It's it's a masterpiece. It's really good. Sean Pyle. It's uh it's it's really good. It's it's hilarious. And uh like you said, a lot of people have mixed feelings about Matrix Three, but uh I think Matrix 4 is going to be really successful. Just because you brought it up, can we talk about how Dude Wears My Car still kind of holds up? <laughs> it, it kind of bugs you, you said? No, it still kind of holds up. It does. Well, like, I, I w- still laugh as hard as I did when I was 13 at, Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? I, I think... Part of the reason it holds up is because if you try to, in your mind, go back over the next five or six years and find comedies, there's so few and far between because studios turned away from them. And then with the pandemic, they're not really focusing on them. They're sending them all off to like Hulu and Netflix directly. Uh, They're not putting a lot of big budget money, screenwriting, actors into it. So the other day, uh, Waiting came on television and I was like, I should not think this movie's as good as I think it is, but it's because of the lack of comedy. Well, and the money in comedy writing is in television. Like NBC ruined comedy movies. Because uh, they went and they bought everybody who was writing the big comedy movies and brought them to write 30 Rock and Parks and Rec and The Office and, you know, so many of these television shows, The Will and Grace and Friends and. So there's no money. There was no money to be made writing comedy films for a while. Because the big money in comedy was in TV. And then we got back into that habit of, hey, that's a funny comedian. Let's give them a TV show because it worked for Ray Romano so well. Um, And then it started to fail. And now nobody wants to do comedies because everybody's worried they're going to have a Whitney Cummings show on their hands. Meaning, meaning Meaning what exactly? Uh, the Whitney Cummings show was real bad because uh, it was based directly on her one famous hour of stand-up. Uh, and it didn't work. So they canceled it and they reinvented it as Whitney. 
which had Chris D'Elia on it, which was good and ran a little bit longer, but then it turns out that Chris D'Elia was a terrible person. Um, and it got canceled. And that led into the one good show that came out of this whole experiment of her having a first look deal, which was two broke girls. So like the problem is, is that if a show doesn't do what the good place did, good place is a great example, which is huge numbers, critical success in the first season in a comedy, they start to mess with it now because they're all scared that they're going to have the Paul Reiser show, the Michael J. Fox show, the Whitney Cummings show. Usually if it's a comedian's name and then the word show, not going to do well. So television, they bought all the good writers and then subjected them to terrible jobs. And when we're saying television, we're not even including the streaming services, right? You just mean like network NBC universal. Right. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I just uh, like I, I recently started watching a comedy that I think is the best comedy I've seen in three years at least. Uh, it's the uh, Taco Watiti's Reservation Dogs on Hulu. Uh, okay. It, it's it's a masterclass on how to do a new comedy from like a a new perspective. Like it's it's a one camera comedy, which obviously has been done before many a time, but it's just it's so fresh and so different and just hysterical. And I haven't watched it yet. It's fantastic. I've heard great things, but I'm going back and starting over at the beginning with uh, Flight of the Concords. Yeah, and com- coming into what we do in the shadows. So, have you not watched either, or have you watched them no, already? I okay. have watched Flight of the Concords. I didn't watch what we do in the shadows when it first came out, but I've seen some some of it on FX now that it's on FX. And I'm like, okay, I I see who this is and what this is. I'm going to go back and watch this show that I loved called Flight of the Concords and then go on to their next thing. Try and watch the movie in between if you can. Before starting the series, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Christy Blanche has given me the watch order. Oh, okay. (laughs) She's obsessed with that show on a level that's probably a little unhealthy. Oh, my. But it's fantastic, though. Yeah. There are some really good comedies out there, but, yeah, I agree with what you said. Um, It's, like, the only comedy anyone's talking about right now is Vacation Friends, which you know, stars John watched, Cena. I just watched <laughs> the fourth season of Young Sheldon. <laughs> okay. It's a show I should hate. But it's just got so much heart. And it tries so hard that it's actually really good. And the comedy is solid. You know, Craig T. Nelson is really good in it. Uh, 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 Annie Potts is really good in it. And uh, uh, Wallace Shawn are all really good in it as the old people. Uh, And then Ed Begley Jr. Like... They're, they're tertiary characters for the most part, but they're the funniest characters in the show, and it's really good. It has a lot of heart, and I like it. The only only downfall of that show is we know what the ending is. We know where it you know We know yes. where it is. That is the only downfall of that show. Um, mm-hmm. Show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually watching old, uh, you know, like I've been doing for a while. I'm just catching up on old uh, series. Some are disappointing lately. <laughs> 
Yeah, I got, I got tired of watching Frankie and Grace after season two or something like that. So it's the only one where I'm like, yeah, I give up. I, I can't stand that Frankie character. Have you watched The Newsroom, Brainy? It's an Aaron Sorkin drama. It's an hour-long Aaron Sorkin HBO drama. No, I should. There's not much dialogue, but it's really good. <laughs> There's a ton of dialogue. I know, I know. <laughs> but the best part of it is Sam Watterson at several points just shouting the F word at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and it, every time he does it, he looks like he's going to have a stroke. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, you're like, hey, that's the guy from Law & Order who was like the calm and measured one. And now he's screaming the F-bomb. And it looks like his head is literally going to pop off. That cast is phenomenal. That cast was really good. It, it, the fact that it only ran three seasons is upsetting, but that's all Sorkin wanted to do. Well, it was on HBO with an expensive cast, so it's understandable. Real expensive cast. Yep. Uh, Miss Jen, this next piece of news is for you. Uh, the longest Bond movie ever will be No Time to Die. Clock's in at 162 minutes. I know you've been waiting for this movie for three years or so. It's been can uh, you know pushback, pushback, pushback. You had several plans to go see it. Uh, are you excited about that? What is the what is the longest you will pay attention to a movie for? Uh, is, what do you think about that runtime of 162 minutes for Daniel Craig's last Bond movie? I mean, there's been a lot of really long run movies that, as long as they have good act, you know, they have a first, second, and third act that are distinct and are feel like three different movies that are all tied together then it is fine if it's just like one long plotting tale that makes it harder but i've never i've never watched a james bond that felt like a long plotting tale so how long was endgame oh three hours yeah, yeah. right so this is shorter than that yes but to me, all James Bond movies feel long. That's why I'm asking the question. <laughs> oh, well, that's fair. I mean, how long is the Adele song in this one? <laughs> <laughs> the the Adele song by an artist who's not Adele. I, I don't know. Like, who's singing the one? Is it is it Billie Eilish? Who is it? Or is it Adele? Okay. I don't know. I just know she sang the Skyfall song, and that went on forever. And it was amazing. Yeah, but it was like eight and a half minutes too long. Oh, it was a four minute long song, man. I remember I doubled it, it up. Was eight and a half minutes longer than it needed to be. <laughs> uh, the, I think the longest movie that I've ever been engaged with, as far as like not constantly just checking my watch, was uh, Braveheart. I saw it in a dollar theater, you, you and uh, that movie was awesome. You didn't watch the ten hour Lord of the Ring? movie no wow no uh i uh I, i've seen lord of the rings uh in theaters once i saw the the one where the trees walk and i fell asleep um i saw the first one on my futon when i had kidney stones and i was on hydrocodone and i remember being awake for eight minutes of it and I've never bothered i've never bothered with the third one um if i ever want uh, if I ever have insomnia, uh, like if my life changes suddenly and I have insomnia for some reason, I'll invest in the Blu-ray set. But uh, no, I'm good. 
we did the the 19 hour Avengers marathon before Ultron came out. That was rough, but still felt shorter than trying to watch the Ten Commandments with my grandmother. Ten Commandments is awesome. What are you talking about? Yeah, but with my grandmother giving the colored commentary about how they got the commandments wrong. Yeah. Like that was that made it feel like two lifetimes. Like Ten Commandments not that is a good movie and not that long. But I don't need the color commentary from right. Like Ben Hur is long. Right, Ben Hur is real long. It's a good long. The longest movie I ever saw in a theater was the one, I can't remember who directed it, but it starred Kirsten Dunst. It was called Melancholia. And it gets to a point in the movie where it fades to black and just stays in black for a minute. And I'm like, thank God this movie is over. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. And then, lo and behold, the title Intermission comes up. And I was just like, destroyed the rest of the movie. I'm, lo- I'm looking. I'm looking to see. I'm looking up to see from an intermission. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm. I'm looking to see how long it actually was, but and who directed it because it was very art house. I mean, I saw it at the Magnolia Theater when that was still open here, and uh, oh my gosh, it was. Yeah. So that movie definitely felt the longest. Um, movies with intermission. That's that's a bad sign, I think. Although. They did argue that Endgame probably should have had an intermission, uh, only because you know people aren't really conditioned to sit for three hours in the movie theater anymore. See, I think Endgame should have had an intermission in between them showing what they called Infinity War and what they called Endgame as one movie. Well, yeah, it was just a long intermission. <laughs> Nine yeah, way too long. <laughs> but no, um, I've seen intermissions done well. Uh, Grindhouse, the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez deal, that did it real well. Um, and I've seen it done well in like horror movies, like B and C level horror movies, where it uh, gives you an intermission and you, uh, 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 what's the wrong for? Uh, your heart calms down so you don't stroke out. Oh. What what wait? What's an example of that? Oh, I can't remember. Like some of these. So my friend Dirk is a horror aficionado, and he'll uh, he got me for my birthday a Shutter subscription. Yeah, Joe Bob Briggs, dude. And yeah, and he sends me. He'll send me these movies to watch, and they're like Turkish horror films. Uh huh. And they're really good, but like your chest starts to hurt. Because your heart's beating at a real high rate for a real long time. And then it'll be like, intermission. And you'll be like. <sighs> and then it comes back in the next, the second half of the movie, just. You're covering your eyes and running and sleeping with the lights on. I thought you were going to say like anything directed by Takashi Miike, because those. Yeah. Those make my heart jump. So, yeah, that's a that's a good example. Those are intense. Um, if if you have Shudder, anyone out there, uh, one cut of the dead is the best movie I've seen in quite some time. 
incredible. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it, Kyle, but uh, it's not scary, but it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, it's on. I've seen the trailer. Okay. Yeah. It's uh. They did a. They did a last drive-in about it, or with it, I guess. So I don't know if that's if those are kept intact. But his diatribe, Joe Bob Briggs' uh, precursor entry into the movie, and uh, the summary at the end were fantastic. I'm actually this this coming, not weekend, but like when I take a couple of days off in the next week, uh, I'm doing with a friend of mine a Wu Tang movie marathon, which is. Movies that the RZA has said are the greatest movies ever made. Uh-oh. So it's like Seven Deadly Dragon and like all these great kung fu movies that we've never seen. So I'm excited to do that. Is uh is Five Deadly Venoms on that list? Yes. But I've seen that one. Yeah. I mean, Shaw Brothers. I'm sure right. that a lot of that list is comprised of Shaw Brothers. But uh, so... I got scared for you for a second because I thought you were going to have to watch How High starring Red Man and Method Man. But thank no. goodness that's not on his list. No, no, no. It's I saw, I saw that in theaters, scene. by the way. I proudly saw that in theaters. Wu-Tang forever. Wu-Tang is for the children. <laughs> and they also have a really good documentary on Hulu. Excellent. Uh, do you want to go on your key comic collectors rant? We can just jump to comics. There was right. TV stuff that happened. We can cover it next week. Uh, give me a chance to catch up on Why the Last Man, which I've been waiting for for seven years. Yes. Finally on yes. Hulu. It's finally yes. on Hulu. Finally. Yes. I, I set my alarm and got up so I could watch it all <laughs> this morning before I had anything I had to do. Yeah. It, like, I, I don't do that for Marvel shows. I don't do that for anything else. I did it for... Brian or for uh, Brian K. Vaughn and you know I was I, yeah so okay key collector I made what seems to have been a controversial comment <laughs> no way in that I said that I can't stand the key collector app and my reasoning was that the key collector app has giant holes in its knowledge base and for any app that has as much sway as it has in our industry and as much control as it has over the market in our industry, it should not have the knowledge gaps it has. Several people have commented to me, the owner's a real nice guy and he'll add stuff if you tell him to. Shouldn't have to tell him to. He should be able to download these databases that exist in the world and I can find 17 of them on the internet. Full lists of Marvel keys, full lists of DC keys that include many, many, almost all keys. And then apply his algorithm to them. That is not what he has done. He's created an app where other people do work and he makes money, which is smart. But when you put in man thing and giant size man thing. There are more than three keys in that entire run. According to that app, there are only three. The last time Black Widow appears in Daredevil is a minor key. Not according to Key Collector. You know, there are Spider-Man keys that the entire world of Spider-Man collecting, you're like, yeah, that, that that's on the list of keys. Not according to Key Collector. Because... 
There's no speculation heat behind them. They're Silver Age comics. They're worth what they're worth. So it doesn't matter to him to put them in his app. Well, it's it's probably because he can't buy them uh, at a good reasonable price and mark them up if, you know, sorry. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Uh, so, that's right. So I'm having to price books in a hurry for a convention because schmucks are going to be walking around looking at their key collector app trying to buy books. And I want to be ahead of them. But yeah, here I am with a stack of books that I'm like, I know these books are worth more than what I've got them priced for, but they're not even in the app. So I dislike Key Collector uh, almost as much as I dislike the movie Malignant. Um, but I would say this, I don't dislike anything as much as I dislike the movie Malignant. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Okay, maybe Root Canal. Maybe. But no, it just it it bothers me that there's that, that something like this app has so much power and so much influence on the industry, and is so unapologetic about having such a small database. I absolutely agree with you there. Um, its definition of what a key is is such a narrow and vague definition that it it it, it basically says I can make whatever I want a key. And that, and it's it seems to be driven by media push of what's going to. It's it's not really looking at stories, it's not looking at characters, it's not looking at anything. It's primarily based on what is going to be in the next TV show and what's going to be in the next movie. That is what it's pushing. Uh, it's a stock market app. It's a stock market app. No, a stock market app has to include all stocks. <laughs> okay, what's well, a hot stocks app then? Um, no, that, it's a uh, hey, you Reddit kids with your Bitcoin and your Doge pennies. These are the things that have been shorted. You should buy them. And it's it's see with the stock market apps, they at least have to give you all the data. They have to give you what you know how how a, a stock has done in the past. They have to tell you. What, about the company and whatnot, what else, you know. Um, in theory, they should tell you their P&Ls. They should tell you their uh, all the statements and everything. But They have to make their algorithms for predictions public. Yes. He uh, doesn't. Yeah, Key, Key Collector, Collector doesn't. Hey, this has just been announced uh, as being supposedly as a, you know, a secret character coming out in the next movie and that's going to make it a key book it doesn't matter whether the book sucked or not it doesn't matter whether the story is good um it's it's all about hey this is going to be the next movie buy it now right so yeah. this is my thing and this is this is how i think key collector fixes his problems build your app sure do do what you're doing i i get that you're crowd crowdsourcing data and you're doing a lot of this stuff but take your algorithm and say, I will sell you the algorithm I use to determine prices that, you know, aggregates whatever it aggregates and sell that to people for a price. And then I could take my existing collection or my existing inventory, which I have in a database already, slap that algorithm in and it should do the work. I'm willing to pay more than I paid for my subscription to the app for the algorithm from the app well the algorithm is not that difficult if you you know if you boil right, it. but i ain't got time to write it 
Like that's 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 you know. Uh, and I'm sure there's other people that have written it. Uh, in, in in fact, Cover Price I believe has a better uh, market data than Key Collectors does, but Cover Price didn't uh, make it as big as it did. They, they charge a little bit more. Right. Key Collectors and, and are, Cover Price is a little bit slower. It is. You know, but, it's I was a big user of Comics Price Guide for a long time. But their price reaction is so slow. <laughs> and that's, in fact, uh, I was uh, just, uh, that's the problem I have with Go Collect right now. Mm -hmm. We were discussing um, Invincible number one last time, right? Go Collector listed at uh, $3,100 right now. And, you know, if you go check on eBay, the last one sold for 6000 That's a huge gap for a price guide to have. Right. I have a I, I pulled I went on Go Collect today uh, and I pulled a CGC record for a book. And they're like, yeah, it's worth fifty five dollars. Now I'm looking at raw copies on eBay for one hundred and sixty. I've got a graded nine eight. That makes no sense to me. Right. Hey, so it, it, it's right. There's. Part of the problem is, is that the accurate sites and the accurate apps react incredibly slowly, which they should. Correct. Because that, they are trying to make sure the data is correct, right. and, which is how it should be. But unfortunately, the way our industry goes is you don't have time to react slowly because somebody is going to come and try and take advantage of you for trying to be right. Which is why you watch Miss Jen's show where she is selling silver and golden age books because those are the ones that are going to hold their values 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line because, yeah, they, they, they are. That's what they're doing. Right, Miss Jen? That's what I gave advice to someone today that was shopping. They were just, they're saying they wanted to get into collecting comic books. So I took them through the whole, what is your, what is your goal your for them? Is it? Have them? Did you love a character? Is it to invest and make money? Is it to make quick money? Well, he, he looked like he was starting in the, in the right place of going into the long game of, of collecting. That the right spot. I always tell people if it doesn't have five, ten, or you're doing it wrong. The newest book in my inventory right now is I Vampire Number One. That's the newest book in my inventory. That was what, 15 years ago? <laughs> well, I've got a lot of the newer ones that, yeah, uh, my collection's getting way too huge. I'm running out of space in places. That, you know, I can't even find any more holes to put them in my walls. <laughs> uh, Is there an app out there that takes the average of the last 10 sales from eBay? And shows you immediately what that comic's going for because that would be what you guys are talking about as far as spec. And and I know that spec can sometimes be a bad word as far as it conflicting directly with why well, when people collect for fun, you know. But uh, I just don't know if they're like that would be the algorithm to make, right? Like the actualized sales from Macari, from Amazon, from eBay, from all the shops that are doing Facebook sales online put it all into one, go, okay, the average price of what this uh, book just sold for is $18.12. So I'll sell it to you for 20 because this is a great copy. Okay. That, that's what I believe Go Collect and uh, Cover Price do. They, they, you know, they aggregate all of that data. The only problem is they have to do it slowly 
because there are times and yeah, as an example, and going back to Invincible number one, if you type in Invincible number one, CGC 9.8, you'll get a hundred listings of the Larry Comics variant. And you'll probably get one or two copies of the one that came out in 2003. Now, if you average that, of course, the price is going to be very low. Uh, because the one that came out in 2003 is selling for 6000 wherein the one Larry's comics are selling for $1,000 or something like that. Um, so a smart algorithm would have to go through each one and try to figure out which is which. And that that's difficult to do uh, because, you know, for an eBay seller, they're always going to want to make it sound like, I hate to say it, they're, to get the most money, they have to try to deceive in a manner where people believe they're buying or at least are going to click into their listing to see what's, you know. Yeah, they all put, it's the same thing with sports cars. They put PSA 10 when it's an ungraded card with a ding in the corner. Uh, or, they'll put nine. They'll put 9.8 CGC when there's a, a few spine ticks. Or but, even, I guess, but I guess what I'm saying is the most accurate place to go if you're talking about money and money only is eBay comps. I mean... It's sort of like the. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. That's not accurate. Uh, but well, out, you know, to your point about speculators, believe it or not, the biggest speculators aren't the consumers. The biggest speculators are actually the retailers, because we are actually speculating when we place our orders, uh, and that's not that's not. It is based on you know, we have to speculate on what what our customers are going to demand two months down the line from us. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we don't really necessarily look at speculators as a bad thing. We ourselves are all speculators. Yeah. I think that the other bit of data that we're starting to, well, I think we'll start seeing that it's a big hole gap in our knowledge base. Is there so many people selling live on apps and on social media? And that data is not being collected. Correct. And that information moves, that uh, the price points bump much faster than the other parts of the market can. Um, yeah, and a lot of people are turning away from eBay. You know, a lot of people are going to Facebook marketplaces uh, because they don't want to pay the eBay fees, and they can offer an item at you know four to five percent cheaper and avoid eBay and PayPal fees. You know, a lot of them are going that route. And it, it it seems to be. The way to go, and like Ms. Jen said, there's no way to aggregate that data, at least not yet. Um, well, sure. no, and and there's also no way to aggregate the data. Whereas if you were like live and in person at someone's booth, sifting through bag and board comics for an hour, and then go, hey, I have these ten. Would you sell them for X amount? Here's cash. Correct. Not worried about any fees, PayPal fees, anything. Here's cash give me these books like that's that's also not so i'm not saying that you can't find a copy of oblivion song for twenty dollars right now but if you go on ebay and you're looking for like a 9.8 that hasn't been graded yet the likelihood is very low that you could do that and, and it's probably equally as low that you could do that in person unless you're just making a stack to try to bargain with so i, I think there's some accuracy in there but no I, there, there's so many ways people are selling and buying right now. It's going to be impossible to compile all of that data. Right, uh, and it's hard to get a general consensus nowadays too. It's it's just very difficult to, like we mentioned earlier. You know, key collectors has a different price. Uh, where in comic comics price guy is going to be having a different price. Gold collectors have a different price. So it's it's 
I hate to say say it, but I kind of missed the Over Street price guide uh, because it was the standard, you know. Even when Wizard came out, uh, Wizard, I hate to say this, was the key collectors of its time. It, was. it really was, and it, it's. In fact, I believe, it wouldn't surprise me that key collectors based off of what the Wizard model was. Um, and Overstreet, that's why everybody kept, you know, all the dealers were always had a copy of Overstreet with them. It was the book that was the most accurate at that time. Um, of course, now it's way too outdated. We can't have a book that's, you know, a year old or whatnot. There's no way to do that in today's market. But we need something. I don't understand why Overstreet's not a website at this point. I, I agree with you 100%. I'm not sure why it wasn't a website 10 years ago. I was going to say because Beckett.com has done really well to the point of charging people like 40 bucks a month because it became the standard just like Overstreet was, but now it's all digital on an app and a mobile site, and uh, people also use it as Beckett Marketplace, which they've used for like the last 20 years. So at this point... It's weird that they didn't transition, but if they haven't transitioned to a website by 2021, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think so either. And that uh, that might be the diamond effect, though. <laughs> well, I was going to say, that's one of, for all of the things the Jeppies have done to preserve the industry and to help the industry, it is their greatest mistake. Yes. Is yeah. getting into pricing. Like, distribute books. Great. Do do all the other things that that Jeppy Family Enterprise has done. They should have divested themselves from Overstreets a long time ago. Um, overall, I think the the second mistake they've made is they've shunned away technology. Yeah, I believe that's a problem that happened with their uh, diamond distribution, uh, including their alliance distribution. You know, um, and I think it's caused some of the problems we're seeing now. Is mm-hmm. Because they've shunned away technology, and they could have done the same thing with Overstreet. Uh, I, I don't think it's a mistake to have kept Overstreet if they. I'm not, they don't. They don't currently own it, right? Maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the, what that deal is anymore. But it's one of those things that they were involved in entirely too long. Yeah, I, but if they had if they had gone the technological way about ten years ago, even you know five five years ago would have been good as well. They may not have been a key collector's app right now. Uh, but also to your point, Mark, one of the biggest problems that I have with uh, Beckett right now, the website, is it's got. OK, <laughs> that was me. Uh, it's got way too much information in there. It's too cluttered, unfortunately. Uh, Beckett tried to do way too much. You know, they, they put their magazine up there. They put their marketplace up there. They put their grading service up there. And it's gotten a little bit too crowded on their website. And it, yeah, I'm not sure if there's a way. Well, I'm sure there's a way to fix that. There's always a way to fix things. And it also has a lot of set holes, and the pricing is very inaccurate. Like you could never go to a marketplace and pay for the cards what they're listing them valued as. So, oh, absolutely. Especially that's, but that's part of the problem, right? Is it's Beckett. When I was coming up, if it was worth ten dollars in Beckett. You could go to your local card shop or you could go to a marketplace and say, okay, I want that card. Beckett says it's $10. You know, and the guy would say, well, I got 12 into it. Will you give me 12? And you would decide, okay, I can spend 12 or I can spend 10. You know, now it's 
Beckett says it's 10, whatever, you know, speculator or collector app or whatever for cards says it's 30 and your marketplace is charging 30. It's the, it's the same problem that people are having with the news. It's the same problem that people are having with all these other parts of society that they don't trust the data that's put in front of them. And so the data from Beckett is as is as irrelevant as the data from any other service you can provide because the people who are responsible for disseminating the product don't trust it because they think, oh, there's something else out there that's going to be more accurate or faster. Yeah, I mean, I think just like Brandy said, it's too hard, hard to tie down. You're just not going to get something that's quick and accurate because at the end of the day, something is worth what someone's going to pay for it. So until, until I figure out how to make the perfect pricing app, which would be called Mama Said, then uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Because Mama Said, something is only worth, well, something is only worth as much as someone will pay for it. That's the mama filter on eBay, otherwise known as comps. <laughs> but hey, we're way over because uh, Kyle hates Malignant and uh, is really perplexed by Key Collector Comics. So did you guys want to throw out some comics to look for this week and then wrap it up? Or yeah, do, do we want to talk about the upcoming three-hour and ten-minute director's cut of Malignant? Just kidding, Kyle. crazy <laughs> but hey i do appreciate you watching it so i don't have to because i will not be watching it based on your review yeah i wouldn't i'll be honest i if it wasn't for the ice cream and the the company i would have uh probably thrown something at my television Dude. it was bad can't even anymore so right. uh comics all right, Vampyverse, I will say most people will be like, uh, about, but I think there's going to be new characters and every, it's going to be full of first appearances. What, which one is that? Vampyverse. It's a, a dy dynamic forces, Vampirilla as all different kinds of era versions of itself. Is that uh, this week? Yeah. Ah, uh, guess what? Did you miss it? Oh, crud. Oh, hold on a second. Well, someone didn't use the uh, Key Collector Comics uh, link for upcoming hot issues, key issues. Oh, somebody forgot to <laughs> up their invoice. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Other number one's Primordial. That's what I'm excited for. Ma. Wasn't Ma last week? Nope. That is this week, isn't it? And Last Annihilation Wakanda. Stream Carnage Agony. Uh, I wanted to shout out Pennyworth. Pennyworth, yeah. Pennyworth number two. Oh, that's um, a comic now? Yeah, I, I just like the idea of Alfred being James Bond. Yeah, I was gonna. Have you seen the show? I can't. It came on some like weird service or app that not many people have, right? I have not seen the show. 
Okay. I, I'm going to call it now the most popular graphic novel that's released this week is going to be Farm Crimes, Mysterious Disappearance of Cow. Uh, <laughs> I want to disagree uh, with you. Put one in my pile, Miss Jen. Uh, sure. <laughs> or Animal Crossing. No. Oh, Kyle, the Pennyworth show is on Epics. That's a channel. That's not a subscription service. Oh, well, but don't you have to be subscribed to it? <laughs> I'm a liar. The one that's going to be the most popular is called Cracking Me Up. And it's Kraken. Uh, there is a there is a graphic novel I wanted to mention. Uh, it's called Heaven's Door. It's from Last Gasp Comics. Um, it is actually originally a manga. It's a sci-fi manga. Uh, uh, I I can't say the name of the person, but it's uh, it sort of has that Doors seventies feel. Um, and some of the some of the stories in it is like an anthology from this one writer and their psychedelic short stories. So one is knocking on heaven's door, obviously. Lazarus Franco's 4 a.m. Uh, and my favorite book from when I read it the first time is uh, called Sponge Generation. Um, very good. Uh, the art in it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, but this is the first time it's been translated into American English. Uh, it was translated into uh, for the Indian market English. Um, and that's how I read it online, the library. But, uh, shout out to that book. I'm excited to buy that one. I, I somehow believe that the 12th, copies of stray dogs tree paperback that i ordered are not going to be enough are you getting any kind of a special cover i've seen them making so many covers and i don't understand who gets those covers or what is going on with that for stray dogs are probably store variants yeah oh, okay so but you but you don't have a space cadet store variant no i mean i thought about it for a little bit but there were so many that were already being made i thought it was just going to get lost in the in the noise they're just so popular because they're all based on all those movies. Oh, oh too bad. You could have had them do one in the style of Malignant, and Kyle would have bought all the copies. I, although I was a little shocked that I didn't see a joint Jen and Brainy Stray Dogs. We talked about it. We tried to actually get them to print number one again for us, but they were like, we don't do that. Yep. No, I, I know, because I, I know that was a conversation you all had had. I was shocked to not see it, but uh, as for Stray Dogs, the trade I ordered is uh, it is the Goosebumps cover. Oh, that's nice. That's awesome. Bird City Comics. Uh, and luckily for me, I will have it here by this weekend when I will be seeing Tim Jacobus hey. to have him sign it. I don't think uh, he did the cover, but it's inspired by his work. Throwing it back to our horror film discussion, uh, and Takeshi Miike, uh, there was an audition cover of Stray Dogs. 
And I thought that was really random. That's awesome. Oh, I missed Nobody's Child. That was the only other number one. Yeah, Nobody's Child is uh, looks very interesting. And uh, Primordial is also a number one issue coming out this week. Who's this by? This is an image book, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jeff Lemire. Stop it. You said Jeff, you told Jeff Lemire to stop it. You're just tired of all the quality work he puts out year after year. I'm sitting here trying to. Uh, She's hungry, but she doesn't want to go to anybody else except me. Go figure. Bless you. Thank you. And for people that still don't have a copy of White Number One, the third printing will be out. Uh, isn't white number three coming out this week? Yep. Yeah, that's. Uh, in fact, the people that were subscribed to it, uh, we're basically down to zero subscribers now. Everybody just gave up on white. Because they couldn't get a copy of it. <laughs> I finally got my number one, but I got the. I had to get it from Jesse James. Could have called me. His exclusive. Ah, yes, he did have an exclusive. Could have called me. Eh, I wasn't working real hard. Well, that's nothing new, my good man. Oh, bird. Anyway. And are we done for this week now? <laughs> I think so. I think I'm going to go watch Malignant. Just kidding. I need to, I need to eat and take an IV in Uh-oh. the next 20 minutes. So. Me oh, yeah, too. You, you, you definitely need to stay away from bad horror movies then. Go watch some... Uh, well, you know, you said you already watched all the Why the Last Man, so I don't know what to tell you to watch now. There's Young you. Sheldon. Or if you have Hulu, Reservation Dogs. Very good show. Uh, but thank you guys for being on here with me, talking for now the last 90 minutes about all this stuff. And thank you for watching Nerd News Now, part of the Kingdom of Geekdom on Woodlands Online, sponsored by Space Cadets Collection Collection and The Adventure Begins. Check out their other shows on Woodlands Online like Taste Buds, Music Cafe, The Adventure Begins Show, Woodlands House and Home, The Best You Weekly Fallout Sports Talk, and Between the Trees Business Talk. You can watch all these on Woodlands Online and on our partner station, KBQT HD 21, over the air on your television. All these shows and more on Roku right now. Search and add Woodlands Online TV to your streaming lineup, and you can listen to the podcast version of our show on Spotify iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you next week on Nerd News Now.